Hey, this is Amanda, women's health dietitian. And I'm Emily, nutritional therapy practitioner. And this is the Are You Menstrual podcast, where we help you navigate the confusing world of women's hormones and teach you how to have healthy periods. Each week, we will be diving into a different topic on women's health and sharing our perspective using nutrition, female physiology, and metabolic health. Our goal is to help you wade through conflicting health information and empower you on your healing journey. We hope you enjoy it. In this episode, we are covering a topic that we get endless questions and DMs about, and that's the ups and downs of the healing journey and the symptoms that tend to pop up for people and specifically like what is causing this? Why are you dealing with acne? Why is your period worse? Why are you gaining weight? And a lot of this has to do with shifts in a hormone called estrogen, and we call them estrogen waves. So healing is not linear. I know we kind of all have a picture in our minds of what healing is going to look like when we embark on making nutrition and lifestyle and supplement changes, but oftentimes we can feel worse before we start to feel better. And I think this is totally normal. There's definitely those few unicorns that feel better immediately and then they have no issues, but I think that's definitely the minority. So being mindful of what's actually happening, what's causing this, I think it can really help. It's definitely helped in the group coaching programs that we do. And women just, we always give them a sense of what to expect, like kind of mentally prepare yourself for this because it's all just a result of your body adjusting to its environment and rebalancing hormones and minerals. So a lot of the times those negative symptoms that we're worried about aren't actually bad things. And we like to put a name to this phenomenon, I guess you'd call it, which is why we call it estrogen waves, because it kind of helps to name something and then define it so that you feel a little bit better going through your healing journey, knowing what's occurring. So you are going to hear us use the term estrogen waves quite a few times in this episode, and we've even written about it before on the blog and on Instagram. But just to give it a more kind of coherent definition, estrogen waves are when our progesterone levels naturally increase, which is a good thing, and lead to a release of estrogen that has been stored up in our tissues. So the stored estrogen in our tissues is the thing that's going to improve because we're going to release that and allow the body to get rid of it naturally. But you might be wondering, why does estrogen get stored in our tissues in the first place? So when our bodies are stressed and depleted, that's when progesterone levels are going to decrease. And it is this decrease in progesterone that allows our estrogen to be stored in our tissues. So, so many of us are going to experience this because we're dealing with stress and hormone imbalances and just all of these different things that make us depleted. And so that's what happens when our progesterone levels go down. And so this is very um, common for women who will get their estrogen and their progesterone levels tested, and both are low. And they say, well, I have low estrogen and I have low progesterone, so obviously I'm just kind of depleted all over the place. You can still see estrogen-dominant symptoms even if you have low estrogen on a blood test because they're stored in your tissues and not in the blood, if that makes sense. So this really affects a handful of women, um, any of us who are dealing with hormonal imbalances or excess stress. And so it's a really good thing to keep in mind when you do start that healing journey. And we can even see this in our monthly cycles. You know, the research shows us that during our follicular phase, estrogen levels in the tissues, because you can actually 
actually measure estrogen, the tissues are higher than during the luteal phase. And we know that, you know, estrogen is the hormone that's increasing during that follicular phase, but we still have that big increase prior to ovulation. And then we have another smaller increase during the luteal phase. So it's interesting that when progesterone is present, you know, once we ovulate and we're in that luteal phase, that's when we have progesterone. And so when that is there, the tissue levels of estrogen are much lower than the follicular phase. So it's interesting. I think you can also see this in pregnancy when you have that huge increase in progesterone, especially in the beginning. People tend to have more acne, nausea, not feeling as good, breast tenderness. Like It's almost like that estrogen waves that you experience during healing, but it can happen in that first trimester as well. So when we're eating enough food, we're rebalancing minerals, we're working on reducing our stress, but also making our bodies more resilient to stress by using things like adrenal cocktails, balancing our blood sugar, eating protein and carb throughout the day. All of these things are going to reduce cortisol, that stress hormone. And when we reduce how much cortisol we're making and how much energy we're expending to respond to that stress, then we're naturally going to have that increase in progesterone as long as we are ovulating, right? We have to ovulate to make progesterone. And this typically leads to you feeling better at first. And then once you have that increase in progesterone, then you can have that kind of estrogen wave where your body's like, okay, I have more progesterone. So we're going to get rid of some of this estrogen that we have stored in our tissues. And you can get symptoms like painful periods, acne, and weight gain. And we totally get it. We understand that this makes it really difficult to know if something you're doing is working, like the lifestyle and the dietary changes, the stress-relieving activities, all of that. You might start second-guessing because it feels like you're getting worse before you're getting better. But that's why we're doing this episode because as confusing as it is and can be during a healing journey, we want you to understand that this is all part of the process and it happens to a lot of women. It's important to remember that the last 100 days or three months impacts your current cycle. So let's say you've been on a healing journey for a while, but you you're you've come up against a really just gnarly cycle. You're getting all the period pain. You're getting all the, you know, maybe heavy bleeding, maybe headaches, fatigue, whatever. And we'll walk you through more specific symptoms in a bit. But let's just say your period is totally back to it was before you were on a protocol or before you were really prioritizing your health. It kind of plays with your mind and it makes you think, oh, I must be doing this all wrong. This is obviously not what my body needs. You really need to give it time because what you may be experiencing is these estrogen waves. You really need to look at things in three-month increments, which is why we always recommend giving yourself at least a six-month time frame. And that's the very minimum when making nutrition and lifestyle changes. So you are playing the long game here. I know that six months sounds like an eternity. And for most women, it's actually going to be even longer than six months, depending on how long you've been kind of depleted and your minerals have been all over the place and you've had these hormonal issues. While it may take even one to two years to see the progress you want, think about the fact that like that is such a small time in the grand scheme of things, right? One to two years is really a blink, although we know it doesn't always feel like it. But hang in there because you will see ups and downs within those those couple of years for sure. And I think it's more about, you know, making changes slowly, making it so that everything is sustainable for you. And that's why it can take one to two years. But imagine if at the end of a year, 
I would say for most people, it's it's like about a year and they've kind of got it figured out where after a year, they know how to feed themselves to feel their best, which is, I feel like something a lot of people spend their whole lives trying to figure out. So they know how to feed themselves appropriately. They know what to do if something comes up. So if you do have maybe more PMS or some cramping, what do I take? What supplement should I prioritize? Is it something in my day-to-day that led to this? You just start to build this relationship with your body where you're much more in tune and you know what's going on. And rather than being reactive and being afraid of your symptoms, you take them on as communication. And that's the whole point. Next, we're going to talk about how do we support our bodies during that healing journey when symptoms do pop up? Because it doesn't mean you can't do anything. But we want to start by saying that symptoms are not a bad thing. People get symptoms and they freak out. And we see this all the time. We see this in the women that we work with. We see it in our community on social media. It's the first tendency is to immediately think something is very negative. But rather than viewing those symptoms as a negative thing and something you need to fix, we recommend looking at them as a form of communication. So your body's just trying to let you know that something is off or that it's recalibrating and working on fixing something. So here's just a few things we recommend for supporting your body during the healing journey. And we're going to go through some very common symptoms that we see when people are embarking on that journey with the estrogen waves and the hormonal shifts and all of that. And the biggest one, especially one that I've dealt with a lot, you can ask Amanda, is um, fatigue. So just a general feeling of lethargy and not feeling your best, just kind of moving through your day without a ton of energy that you're maybe used to experiencing. And this is really chalked up to one thing. So if you are used to running on stress hormones and higher levels of cortisol than normal, if you are always in that go, go, go mindset, you are you thrive off of adrenaline and off of drama and just like the daily rush, once you start to implement the things that we preach, like the really good diet, or I don't even like to say diet, but the foods that nourish your body, the nutrient-dense foods, the slowing down, the rest, the prioritizing, the stress-relieving activities, maybe getting off your phone. Once you start doing all of these things and your body starts to figure out how to kind of get back into that balance, your cortisol will start to go down. And if you've been addicted to cortisol for the last however many years of your life, what you're going to start seeing is that you feel just kind of fatigued. You feel these energy dips that you have not experienced really before maybe, especially for some of you faster metabolizers that are just constantly on the go. I think a lot of us, even myself, before I started the healing journey with Amanda, I was just constantly addicted to that adrenaline rush, like constantly on the go, always on my phone, not getting an adequate amount of sleep, all of that. And when I did low carb, like you name it, I did it. I just felt awful when I started kind of prioritizing my health because it was just like, oh man, I'm just always, my body's finally slowing down and I feel it, right? So this one's a big one and you probably will experience this. And what we have to say about how to support yourself is just to check in, make it like a daily check-in. So ask yourself, are your basic needs being met? Did I eat enough today? Did I eat every three to four hours? Did I eat a protein-rich breakfast? Did I sleep enough last night? Did I sleep well last night? Am I making time for fun today? Did I do anything 
in the course of the day that made me happy, that made me feel alive, that I was excited about? And then lastly, am I doing any sort of therapeutic movement or exercise that's making me feel better? So not necessarily intense or something that kind of makes you really, really exhausted, but just something calming, something good for your mental state and just that feels good for your body. Or are you doing too much exercise, right? Or is it the too intense of the type? And that's kind of the other thing. As you're starting to slow down and have less cortisol, it's like your body's going to try to repair itself. It's going to try to rebalance. And sometimes we, when we get out of that high stress state, we realize I actually don't tolerate my current exercise of choice that well. I see this a lot and it's it doesn't always mean that it's forever. Oftentimes it could just be for, you know, maybe it's like that 6 to 12 month period that you're working on things, but you can be kind of defeating the whole purpose of the healing journey if you're doing like super intense exercise it's leaving you very fatigued. Uh, and so it's, you know, how are you recovering from that exercise? Are you super sore all the time? Are you exhausted? Do you feel worse after you work out? You should feel better. After you train, you should have more energy than you had when you went into that session. So all those things are going to have a huge impact. And fatigue, it can come from so many different areas. And so it's just kind of figuring out, is this like a not eating enough fatigue, not sleeping enough fatigue, or is this like a normal fatigue that's part of the healing process? Am I not getting enough movement in? I think that's that's like something I see a lot. People will stop working out. And I'm like, you don't necessarily have to stop working out, you might just have to shift what you're doing. Like you can still go for walks, still do strength training a couple days a week, do yoga if you can tolerate all these things, of course. But it doesn't have to be like an all or nothing. Fatigue can come from a lot of different areas. And I think that acne can too. And that's probably, I would say that acne is like the top of the list with the ones that we get the most from people is whether you've always struggled with acne or if it's brand new for you. As you start to balance your minerals, support your hormones, a lot of what's happening is that estrogen. We also tend to move iron and we start to use iron more efficiently because, of course, you know, we're recommending things like beef liver and sometimes cod liver oil for certain people. We're trying to get more copper and vitamin A in, right? And even the adrenal cocktail, like that vitamin C and the potassium and the sodium are very powerful. And so even sometimes just adding those in, we'll see people have reactions. And a lot of the time it's because you're getting that shift in estrogen and in cortisol. And so sometimes we see it from taking vitamin E. Sometimes people will We'll say like try to add in vitamin E to see if it helps your skin. Sometimes when people start taking vitamin E, it's very potent, it's powerful, and it's anti-estrogen. So it does a similar thing as progesterone, right? So it can lead to some of that estrogen, those estrogen waves as well. So sometimes people literally just need to take a break from the vitamin E or take less and they can see an improvement. But yeah, acne is definitely one of the most common ones that we see. And vitamin E could be a contributor, constipation, if you're not having a regular bowel movement every day. And then of course, making food changes. Hey, Amanda here, just giving you a quick break, hopefully a, a break for your brain in the middle of this podcast episode to remind you that if you haven't gone through our free training, Optimizing Hormone Health Through Mineral Balance, we really do recommend starting there. And the main reason for that is because you're going to hear us say things like mineral foundation, having a solid foundation, are you putting the foundations in place, especially what was we get deeper and deeper into different hormonal topics and specific imbalances in the body, the, the mineral foundation 
information that's always going to be so essential. So if you haven't watched the free training, you can find it in our show notes or you can go to hormonehealingrd.com and it's going to be right on that front page there. But we really recommend starting there so that you can understand how is your current mineral status? How do you assess this and how to get started with all that just so you can get as much as you possibly can out of the rest of the podcast episodes. But that's it. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, I think too, it's important to remember that your body, when you're healing, you're also, there's a lot of natural detox going on there. So like your liver's working really hard to, you know, make sure it's getting those hormones, those excess hormones out. And so an acne breakout or a consistent breakouts over those course of the healing journey could just be like your body detoxing. And that just is a sign that your liver needs some extra support. So things like we recommend castor oil packs, and that will help support digestion bowel movements, and your liver. Again, as Amanda said, take a break from vitamin E if you think that may be kind of causing worse symptoms. Just kind of play with it. There's nothing wrong with just stopping supplementation just to see how your body reacts when you're not taking certain supplements. And then I also like to track my breakouts when they're happening to see if it is related to a specific time in my cycle, because that's a big sign as well that like, hey, this is just when my body is trying to regulate out and that's when I'm getting breakouts. And so it's not necessarily a horrible thing. It's just, again, like Amanda said, communication from your body that things are moving and shifting. Yeah. So we'll we'll link our blog that we have on castor oil packs in the show notes. But again, acne can be from a lot of different areas. So it's kind of like, ruling things out and figuring out which one applies to you most. If you're someone that started getting it after taking vitamin E, sometimes we people just are like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to stop taking the vitamin E. That's fine. We have plenty of people that are like, I'm going to power through and I'm just going to like get through this estrogen wave and hope that my skin improves. Um, and oftentimes after a couple months, those people don't have any issues. So you could go either way. Another common one that we see are on and off headaches, not necessarily very intense headaches, but kind of lingering headaches that women can experience. And this can definitely be from those estrogen waves. They for sure could be hormonal shifts that are happening. It can also be, are you Is your liver working better? Are you detoxing more? A lot of times people can start to see some gut shifts, right? We can have bacteria shifts based on the food that we're eating, especially if you made a lot of changes at once. We tend to see this where you could be having like a die-off reaction. Like as your digestion starts to improve, your immune system starts to improve, you can actually start to get rid of overgrowth in your gut without even taking anything. And so you could be having some of those like liver detox die-off type symptoms. And the other big one I think of is blood sugar. Whenever I hear headaches, I think blood sugar. If you, It's very common with low blood sugar. So if you are someone that is new to eating more regularly throughout the day, it could maybe you need to make your meals a little bit more dense, meaning like more like animal protein in there. I would look at the balance of protein and carb. Are you getting enough protein in the meals or is it heavy on the carb? And then that's leading to highs and lows in your blood sugar throughout the day, which could cause headaches. And speaking of blood sugar, that's where magnesium really helps with this one. If you are experiencing some headaches and you think it blood sugar might be the culprit, um, starting to supplement with magnesium can really be beneficial. And if you're new to magnesium, start with like a topical kind. Start with an Epsom salt bath, maybe some magnesium oil spray, and then work your way up. I I'm to the point where I'm doing the topical and the magnesium malate and then the magnesium glycinate in the evening. I just find that 
not only does it help with the insulin and blood sugar response for me, but it also aids in that necessary sleep and rest that we need when we're healing. So magnesium is great all around. If it is hormonal shifts, vitamin E can definitely help. Obviously, we were just talking about maybe vitamin E is the culprit of things like acne. But in the case of things like headaches, vitamin E is very beneficial for people who struggle with that. And you can actually start taking vitamin E the second you feel a headache coming on. And a lot of people do experience quite immediate relief from that. So just migraines too. Yes, for sure. So just something to keep in your back pocket if you are someone who begins struggling with headaches. And then of course, rest and getting enough sleep, maybe prioritizing little cat naps during the day, which I know is not feasible for everybody, especially if you work. But just something to keep in mind, if you are tired, if you are fatigued, if that cortisol is going down, if you're not getting enough sleep, you might start seeing more headaches and migraine-type symptoms for sure. And then another common one is digestive changes, right? Whether that sometimes it's constipation, sometimes it's uh, someone experiencing looser stools, and which no matter which one it is, you want to look at what food changes have you made, right? Our food has a very big impact, especially based on how much fiber it's going to have in there. That's like a really, really big one. So if you have any changes in your digestion, the first thing I would look at was like, did I make a ton of nutrition changes at once? This is again, why we always say like, go slow, you know, don't like change everything all at once because, and if you do, it could just be a phase. Like it could just be like a week where your gut's like, okay, I'm completely changing my microbiome. So let me kind of catch up here. But if things persist and you don't see that improving, then you definitely want to look deeper. Yeah. And just a word on loose stools. I don't think it's super important to worry about if it's just every once in a while. But if you, like Amanda said, if you are having persistent loose stools, that could be a sign that something's off. But if you, every once in a while, let's say you experience diarrhea or loose stools, just ask yourself, did I recently add in a food that I'm not used to eating that maybe my body has just not figured out like, oh, this is, this is new. I'm not sure, you know, if I'm, if I'm capable of digesting this right now, because even like the most nourishing foods can cause this. And a big example, something I experience personally every once in a while is with dairy. So we have talked so much about how nutrient-dense and great dairy is for um, adding into your your nutrient-dense foods and your, your diet. And for most people, it really can work. But for some of you who maybe have not been eating dairy for a long time, your body is maybe just not used to digesting it. And so you have to start slow, right? Don't just start consuming dairy by drinking, you know, three to five glasses of milk a day. Like start slow, start with maybe hard cheeses or yogurt and then work your way up slowly. Another thing that I really like to use, I've been eating dairy for a really long time now um, and still every once in a while, it's not every time, but every once in a while I'll have a glass of milk and then I feel like it goes right through me pretty fast. Like my body was not totally prepared for it or maybe I'm experiencing more stress than usual. So what I like to do is take Mito Life has a, a supplement called Dairy Absorb, and you just take one, it's a little tiny capsule that you take every time you eat or drink dairy, and it really helps. It's just lactase, so it helps you to digest the lactose 
in the dairy. And so I just, if I'm going to drink a glass of milk, I take one with that every once in a while if I'm experiencing more stress. And that really helps me. So dairy is a big one that you might see digestive issues crop up. But again, just go slow and maybe consider that lactose support. Another one, interestingly enough, is raw carrots, um, which stimulate bile. And this can support a bowel movement, but it can be kind of strong for some people as well, especially starting out and those with endometriosis. So if you are wanting to incorporate raw carrots, that's great. We recommend starting with the raw carrot salad, which I believe, Amanda, do we have a blog post on the raw carrot salad? I th- I'm pretty sure we do. It, it it's mentioned in one of them. So I'll make sure that I put it in the show notes. That's a really good recipe to start out with and just kind of eat maybe a couple tablespoons or a little bit more at a time and just kind of see how you feel afterwards. But I feel like a lot of raw vegetables can be harsh on digestion for some people. Carrots seem to be better for most people. But again, always just go slow if you're experiencing constipation or loose stools. And another thing that's really common with loose stools is it can show that you're not tolerating how much magnesium you're taking. It can be the type as well, but this people often ask, like, how do I know if I'm taking too much magnesium since it, the amount is so dependent on the person? And getting loose stools is a sign that you took too much too fast. Uh, usually I just say, like, you would want to stop the magnesium or go back down to that lower dose that you were taking for at least like a few days and wait for your stools to regulate and go up slower if you can. Sometimes even going back down to the low dose doesn't help and you you need to stop the magnesium completely and then you can start again. I would say like, look at the type that you're taking. Are there any additives in it? What form of magnesium is it? Is it magnesium malate or magnesium glycinate? Is it magnesium bicarbonate? You know, magnesium citrate very commonly causes loose stools. So it could be the type, like I don't do amazing with magnesium malate, but I could take a ton of magnesium glycinate. So sometimes it's the type that you need to play with. We can also get loose stools just from supplement changes and new supplements. So I would say if if it's not, say you're having really consistent loose stools, it's having an impact on your quality of life. That's when, and you stop the magnesium, that doesn't do anything. I would stop all of your supplements and um, I would also stop raw carrots. And then I would look at, and dairy, if you, if, if that's a new food that for you, and then I would slowly add things back in one at a time. Cause then that's going to help you pinpoint like where the heck did this come from versus if we make a ton of changes at once, it's really hard to see what's causing it. I think honestly, the moral of this episode is going to be go as slow as you possibly can with all of these supplements, because it's so much better to start out slow than to try to just add everything at once and to really dive in. And I know that that's tempting because you just want to be all gung-ho for your health. It's so much harder to backtrack whenever, if you start experiencing a lot of these different symptoms and they're completely unbearable, it's almost like, I don't know what to take out. I don't know what to start over. So if you take any word of wisdom from this episode, it's that there are symptoms that are very normal in the healing journey. And the best way to combat this is to just go slow with all your supplements and all your changes. So that said, on the flip side of the coin, constipation, okay? So if you are someone that's experiencing constipation, you're not having a bowel movement regularly, ask yourself, did I drink enough water? Am I drinking enough liquids in general? And this can be, 
I, I would even say for hydration purposes, count all of your, your liquids, bone broth, adrenal elixirs, regular water, anything, like even if you're eating fruit, that counts um, because these all have water in them. So it doesn't necessarily just need to be plain water. But make sure that you are drinking enough liquids throughout the day. Are you eating less? So are the changes that you're making in your diet causing you to maybe eat less than you normally would? Because that can definitely stop motility or slow it down a little bit as well. Make sure that you're still eating enough, that you're getting in those calories, those proper macronutrient balances, all of that. You want to you continue staying nourished and not eating less. And then are you stressed while eating? This is going to be a big one for motilities because our body does not prioritize digestion when we're stressed. So if you are eating on the go or eating while you're working or doing any number of things while you're eating, that just might be a big recipe for disaster when it comes to constipation, especially if you already tend towards constipation. And this will be a lot of people with a sluggish thyroid. So definitely something I need to keep in mind. I cannot eat while stressed because my digestion will go to complete crap if I do. But again, fiber is really important. And this is kind of individual because some people don't do too great on a ton of fiber. But we do need to make sure that we're getting at least some cooked veggies in. Most people need a little bit of fiber. So prioritizing the cooked veggies, making sure that you're not eating too many raw veggies because raw veggies can actually contribute to constipation. Yeah. And again, like if it's just at the beginning of making food changes, I would say it's probably just an adjustment in your body. And I wouldn't necessarily freak out because it can take time. I mean, our gut bacteria will completely change based on what we're eating. And our gut bacteria helps us break down our food. So you can see those changes in the beginning. Raw carrots, obviously we mentioned if you have loose stools, maybe slow down on the raw carrots or see if they're contributing. So we do tend to see that a lot, but they can be really helpful if you're dealing with constipation because of how they stimulate that bile production and they can help you have a bowel movement. I will say like, I think one of the biggest mistakes I see people make when they're when they're like, okay, I'm I'm going to start supporting my metabolism. I'm going to eat in this pro-metabolic mindset. And they typically just completely get rid of vegetables. And I'm like, you know, that's probably not the best thing. Sometimes people are so, their immune system, their metabolism and digestive system are so challenged that for a time period, they do need to greatly reduce their vegetable intake, especially if you're one of those people that are eating like, 10 servings of raw veggies a day, right? Sometimes you do need that break, but cooked veggies are a great source of healthy fibers and will help support that good bacteria. I've been posting a lot about beans lately and people are like having their, just like freaking out that I eat beans. I'm like, I soak the beans, I pressure cook the beans. Both of those things help you make them way easier to break down. Um, But beans have a lot of soluble fiber and they feed good gut bacteria. They can help with excess estrogen similar to raw carrots. So it's one of those things where it's like you have to find what works for you. But if you're, if you went from like very high fiber diet and then greatly reduce that, and then you're dealing with constipation, that could be a huge deal, a huge factor in why. But we love castor oil packs for this too. Castor oil packs are really helpful for stimulating that digestion and uh, they can be really helpful if you're someone that's dealing with constipation and you haven't tried them. Can't recommend it enough. And I think just overall, it's a reminder of, yes, there's so many things that you can do and try. Like we're trying to give you things so that 
you know, when people reach out to us with the same questions over and over and they've made a lot of changes, maybe they listen to the podcast and they're like, I've started to implement everything and here's what I'm going through. That's really what this episode is for. So we can say, here's all the things to consider. It doesn't mean that you have to do all these things. Don't start making some crazy list for yourself and overwhelming yourself. It's really important to also have fun with your healing. And I think this is something that people forget. We talk about it in our membership a lot. And we're, we're like, how are you guys having fun this week? And we get ideas from each other, which I think is really helpful. If you feel like you're constantly checking things off a list and you feel more stress when adding things in to help support you during the healing journey, I would really consider giving yourself space putting something fun on your calendar. And instead of just constantly doing, try and give yourself some time to just be. I completely second that. I feel like fun is a completely underrated aspect of the healing journey because if it's all stress and it's all, what do I need to do? And, you know, how am I supporting my body? And I feel like it can get really daunting really fast. So there needs to be fun in in that equation for sure. And Meg talks about that a lot. Meg Langston, she's a great follow on Instagram. And I feel like she has a lot of great advice on this because she's someone that always wants to be doing in everything. I mean, I feel like I'm that way too, but like less and less because the more fun I have, the more I'm like, oh gosh, why do I not do this more? Why do I not prioritize time for things that make me happy and don't always have to do with work or doing or being productive? So she's she talks about in her fertility journey, and how really having her second successful pregnancy, she really, you know, a lot of that goes to prioritizing fun and, you know, prioritizing her health versus just constantly doing. So I think that's like a great example. Okay. So we are going to now move into a doozy of a topic, but it's another common complaint that we get from most women when they're healing and it's weight gain. So most women, when they start nourishing their bodies in a supportive way for the first time in years, they're going to see some weight gain and it can cause them to kind of freak out because they're thinking, wait a minute, I'm doing all of these things. I'm prioritizing my health. Why am I gaining weight when maybe I want to be losing weight? And there are some reasons for this, but I think this is such a huge topic that we need to address because it causes so much stress and turmoil with women and it really, really shouldn't. We know that this is probably more than we can even get into in an episode, but we hope that this helps you just like shed some light on this. So I think the first and most obvious reason why our bodies would gain weight on the healing journey is for safety, right? It's called safety weight. Your body is trying to create a safe environment so that it can increase your metabolic rate. And then that, remember your metabolism is what fuels all those reactions in the body. Your body wants to be healthy. I think it's a very easy thing to forget. So our bodies want to be healthy. They want to be in balance, but they can't do that when they're not getting enough food, when the environment is super stressful. A lot of different things impact how we use energy. We're going to talk about that at the end. But basically, our bodies are trying to create safety. So they're holding on to this energy. And we all want that healthy metabolism. We want to improve that so that our hormones will be in a good place, digestion's in a good place, skin looks good, hair is healthy, you know, like we're feeling warm and stuff all day. Like we want those things, but sometimes it's just the getting there, the, the eating more, gaining weight that can make it really difficult for people. And on another note to add to that, if you have a history of dieting and under eating, that is going to be another big reason for your body to kind of hold on to any weight because think about it. You know, if you've been yo-yo dieting 
or not eating enough calories for a number of years, and then you start to increase that calorie load, then your body is going to be like, oh, wow, like I'm getting what I need. I'm going to hold on to this because it's, it's kind of like the safety weight thing. Like it's, it's, it's feeling safe. It's finally feeling nourished and it doesn't want to let go of that. And so often what you'll find is that you'll gain weight and it'll take a little bit of time for your body to balance out and figure out that it's safe and nourished and that it doesn't need to hold on to that weight, if that makes sense. And people that do have that history of undereating, oftentimes, no matter how slowly you make changes, you will still have that weight gain. So like some people do not have any weight gain. They make changes slowly. Maybe it's like a few pounds, but it's nothing significant. And maybe they just don't, they've They've never really like under eaten, maybe just wasn't the right amounts, the right foods, that sort of thing. And maybe, or maybe they're eliminating stress. So those people don't always gain weight. If you eat no matter, pretty much no matter what you do, if you have that restrictive history, typically they have a harder time going slow. They have the personality tendency of like wanting to be more extreme and going all in, which that is 110% me. So there's no like shade over that, but it's okay. And I would Like I would think about your past too. Like if you are someone that's struggling with weight gain, think about like, was I under eating for a very long time? Can I just like kind of honor my body and let it have this extra energy and extra stored energy as fat and not completely freak out because I didn't quite give it what it, I didn't give it what it needed for a really long time. So that's history of dieting and under eating. Current stress. This is another really big one. The more mental and physical stress we have going on in our lives, the more energy our bodies are going to require. So sometimes even though we feel like we're eating a lot more, we might still not quite be meeting our needs. And so then your body is still going to continue to hold on to that energy to create the safety. Also, if you have a lot of stress hormones that are fluctuating, that's going to lead to more insulin release, which can lead to more fat storage. So it's like this combination of stress increasing your energy requirements but also leading to more fat storage because of how it affects our insulin. We talked about estrogen waves quite in depth in this episode. And another symptom of estrogen dominance, which is that kind of temporary estrogen dominance that you might experience when you're healing, is going to be weight gain. And again, that's just because of the hormonal shifts taking place. Totally normal, totally common, nothing to worry about, and very often just temporary. And a lot of times this is such a hard topic because we look at losing weight as healthy. And I I totally get that because that's what is valued in our society. I mean, think about it. Like I remember I had mono and I think I was like a freshman and I lost so much weight and literally people were constantly commenting and being like, you look so good. And I was like, I feel so bad. I've never, and I definitely had disordered eating habits then, but I want to, I really think that that's when a lot of it like took a turn and became a lot more vicious because I was thriving on like, oh my gosh, people, I was not cool when I was a freshman. I was like, just like a nerd. And I didn't really have any, like I had friends, but we were not like the popular kids. And so it was like this whole thing of like someone giving me that attention that I wanted. And I get it. Like we praise when people lose weight, but you don't know why they're losing that weight. They could be ill. They could have like some specific, I see it a lot with autoimmune conditions, digestive issues. And it's, it's not always healthy, but if someone gains weight, like I think about a few clients in my mind specifically that they gained weight, all their symptoms went away, 
like no more hormonal symptoms. One of them was able to get pregnant and actually maintain that pregnancy where she was struggling with miscarriages before. And like people were kind of like in her family, she went home for the holidays like, oh, you gained some weight. Like, are you okay? And she's like, I'm literally the best I've ever been. And guess what? I'm pregnant. And we, it's like, they were past that first trimester. So it's like, there's, there's always going to be this like negative thing with weight gain, but I would really ask you to shift your mindset because if gaining that weight allowed your body to feel safe, allowed you to improve your metabolism, get rid of symptoms, would it be worth it? I feel like the answer for most people would be yes. So it it's like your body is trying to do what it's designed to do. Whether you want to have kids or not, you need to have a certain amount of body fat in order to like create that safety. And then eventually your metabolism typically kicks in. And then that weight gain will typically start to naturally come off. You might not go back to your previous weight, but it will, you will settle at a weight that's healthy for you. And I always say this, I'm like, your weight tells me nothing about you because it really doesn't. I know people get concerned when they start to gain weight, but oftentimes it's for good reason. Uh, there are signs that weight gain isn't always safety weight, though, and I think we're going to kind of go through that next. Yeah, so there are some things you just kind of want to keep an eye out for, and one of those is when your weight doesn't plateau. So if you are not seeing a level off and a plateau of your weight, if it just keeps creeping up and you're really not feeling comfortable with it, you know, that's a sign that maybe it's not safety weight, that maybe there's something off with your macros or just your body in general. Like there's something it's going through that's causing it to continue putting on the weight. So that could be a sign that, okay, maybe we need to we need to shift some things. Another one is if your symptoms or your metabolic markers, like your temperatures and your pulses, if those aren't improving. Now it can take like three to six months to start see that to start to see the shifts. So you want to keep that in mind. I would say most people hit their their weight plateau around like the six to eight month mark. Sometimes they hit it sooner. So if you're if you're not plateauing and then your symptoms are not improving after that sit around six months, then that's another sign that like okay this weight gain may not be necessarily healthy or even necessary, there could be something else that is off. And then lastly, just not eating nourishing foods. So if you aren't eating a lot of nutrient-dense foods, if you're not balancing your meals and you're not feeling better, then that's a sign that it's not beneficial weight gain or healthy weight gain. So again, just common sense sort of. I feel like that can go out the window when you're freaking out about gaining weight, though. <laughs> so it is true. It is. And that one might be something you you kind of go back to later on. Like, I feel like it's not the first one you start with. So that's like when you've been doing this for a while and you're kind of checking in with yourself. Maybe you're still gaining weight. You're not sure why. And you ask yourself just that, those kinds of questions. Like, am I eating nutrient-dense foods, foods that I know nourish my body? And if the answer is like, an obvious no, then that just could be a clue. And we do talk in our Nourishing Nutrition Foundations episode, we talk about how to calculate your total daily energy expenditure. I feel like that's where I would start is like, are you even close to that? Are you eating above that? Are you eating way below it? And so we kind of help you find your baseline in that episode. I would definitely go and listen to that one if you haven't. And you're kind of like, I don't know how to tell if I'm eating enough. So those would be some of the big markers and things you'd want to ask yourself. I would also say like when I think of someone gaining weight during that healing journey, 
I think of how, why is their body not using energy efficiently, right? Like what is keeping their metabolism from working properly? And there's a lot of different factors that are going to affect that and affect how we use energy. Some of the biggest ones are sleep. Like if you're not getting enough sleep, that is huge. That's going to impact how your body uses insulin, how sensitive your cells are to insulin, which of course that's going to impact your blood sugar balance, stress hormones, and fat storage. So sleep's a huge one. Same with light exposure. We have a whole episode coming on circadian rhythms and everything. And when it comes to light exposure, we want to think about excessive amounts of blue light, like not natural blue light from the sun, but you know, screens, lights in our home, LED lights, that kind of stuff. That excessive blue light can also mess with insulin signaling. Your macro balance. Everyone's going to have a specific amount of protein, fat, and carb that they do best with. When we talked about, like in our PCOS part two episode, we talked about being mindful of not overeating fat with carbohydrates because then your body's not going to use the carbs as efficiently. And then that means that you're going to store those carbs and that you're going to release insulin in order to do that. So looking at your macros, like, are you at least getting 100 grams of protein a day? How many carbs are you getting in comparison to fat? Everyone's different with what they're going to need, but that's a great place where you can start experimenting. Like maybe I have had so many people track their food and they're like, oh my gosh, I ate 130 grams of fat and I didn't even blink an eye. Like I didn't even know it. And I'm like, okay, I, I get, I, it's like, it's hard when you're eating whole nourishing foods, right? They're, they're naturally high in fat, but then we're, oh, it's, I feel like it's drilled in our head to like add healthy fats, add healthy fats to your meal. That's why I'm always like protein and carb because the fats are almost always taken care of. You're either cooking with it or it's already in the animal protein that you're eating eggs have a ton of fat. And it's not that that's bad. It's just that are you overeating that macronutrient and potentially throwing off that blood sugar balance and metabolic function in the body? It's just something to consider. And then gut health and digestion. Are you breaking down your food well? Are you having regular bowel movements? Vitamin and mineral deficiencies is a huge one or imbalances. That's why we do the hair testing. And then finally, stress right? If you do not, if you have a lot of stress, that's going to increase those nutrient needs, stress hormones, all that stuff. And all you can see that there's a lot of different areas that are going to impact how we use energy. It's not always like, oh, I need to eat less and work out more. It's usually that it's like, okay, let me take a look at how I'm living my life and how I'm eating and, you know, what my day-to-day looks like and see like if there's anything I could try experimenting with. Okay, so we are going to wrap up this episode. That was kind of a lot of info, hopefully all good and helpful for you guys. But I think the big the big sum up here is that healing journeys don't always look how we expect them to, and it can be kind of mind-boggling when they when they don't, which is why we hope to serve as your reminder that it's okay. And just because we may not feel a certain way in a certain amount of time doesn't mean that we aren't giving our bodies what they need. So I know that we live in a very instant gratification kind of culture where, you know, we want to take a supplement, we want to change our diet overnight, and then just experience immediate results. A lot of times, this is not what we're going to experience on the healing journey, and Those symptoms that crop up, getting worse before we get better, that's all just a way of our body trying to find homeostasis and balance things out. So it's it's just figuring it out. And the best thing you can do during your healing journey is just to give your body grace, understand that it may be coming from a place of 
malnourishment or undernourishment for the last, you know, however so many years or months. And it is going to take a little bit of time to just reach that homeostasis. This doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It simply means that it's figuring it out and it takes time. And I think we can just all benefit from trusting our bodies more. You know, it's no matter what season of life you're in, whether maybe you're younger and you're dealing with like really painful periods, maybe it's a thyroid issue, maybe you're in the conception stage, which it's like really try to trust your body because I feel like that can be really hard. Or if you're in that peri postmenopausal space, it's like you, no matter what season you're in, we need to trust our bodies more and give them the space to heal. Because like I said in the beginning, our bodies want to be well, they want to be healthy. A lot of the times we're the ones that are getting in the way of that. Thank you for listening to the Are You Menstrual podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review and sharing the podcast with someone you think it will help. If you are new here, we can't recommend enough to start with our mineral imbalance quiz. This is going to give you an idea if you are at low, moderate, or high risk for mineral imbalances. And then of course, make sure you follow us on Instagram at hormone healing RD and consider signing up for our newsletter. If you like nerding out and you are just loving these podcasts, but maybe you're a little bit more visual and you want to see things too, we go into a ton of detail in our weekly newsletter. So we would love to have you join us there. All right. Thank you. And we will see you in the next episode.